Welcome back, pool fans. From sea to shining sea, you are listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. It is February the 11th, 2016. And today's show is brought to you in part by Q Sports International. Creating more choices for more players. So what's going on in the pool world? Well, we got to throw out some congratulations to Miss Allison Fisher. She just participated in the uh, WPBA Masters Tournament at the Soaring Eagle Casino in uh, Michigan there. And she took the title. Probably one of the few titles that she hasn't taken yet. <laughs> She's definitely a, a world-class player, so I would have deserved, or expected nothing, nothing less. So congrats to her for finally getting that one under her belt. Um, also this week... We have an exciting announcement from uh, the BCA slash Billiard Education Foundation. Uh, They have announced the members of the 2016 United States Atlantic Challenge Cup team. If you are not familiar with this, this is the second annual. The first one was held uh, in Austria. This is the second one that's taken place, and it's a junior event, but it's it's. Uh, set up basically just like the Moscone Cup, where you have a team from each uh, side of the pond there. Uh, I want to say the final team is four boys and two girls. Uh, they've prolic- uh, prolic- picked their preliminary uh, ten players. They're going to narrow that down a little bit in June to get their final six. But uh, as it is right now, we have to congratulate the ten that got on the roster so we have uh, Christopher Robinson, Rick Evans, Shane Wolford, Tyler Howell, Ryan Ponton, Zachary Gerganis, April Larson, Serena Black, Sierra Reams, and Emily Herpel. All those kids uh, very much deserve to be on the team, and we want to wish them the absolutely the best of luck. And hopefully, you know, they can uh, catch that trophy for us this year. It, in case you were not aware... Uh, it will be held, the Atlantic Challenge Cup will be held in July uh, in uh, concert with the uh, BCA Trade Show and the BEF Junior Nationals. So it's all going to be one big sort of shindig there going on in Schaumburg, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. So uh, if you know any of the juniors or even if you don't, give them a big pat on the back. Uh, congratulations for uh, making it this far and uh, hopefully... They can make some good stuff happen for us uh, when the competition time comes. Uh, what else is going on? Well, if you like to watch pool, or if you're a fan of any of these particular players, there's a big event kicking off tomorrow uh, in Texas, actually. It's the second annual Texas Open 10-Ball Championship. Um, going to be a pretty star-studded field. This is a an event that the points count towards Moscone Cup rankings. So, you know, you're going to have some of your top players there for sure. If you want to check into watching it, go to PoolActionTV.com. They will have uh, the stream available for that. When we're looking at some of the best players in the country, they're going to battle it out. Uh, you got Bergman. Justin Bergman's going to be there. Uh, Jeremy Jones, Warren Kiamko, Jason Klatt, Shane McMahon, Dennis Orcoyo, Rob Saez, Tony Choan. Uh, Josh Roberts, Sky Woodward, Oscar Dominguez, Ernesto Dominguez, and Richie Richardson. The list goes on and on and on. It's going to be a good field, uh, and this was a, definitely a good event last year. And, of course, like I said, it means more this year. We've got points attached to it. So uh, you know, check into 
that at Pull Action TV. If you want to watch it, going to be some good stuff there. And, you know, there's a couple other great events coming up, but uh, we'll save that uh, till next week to talk about it a little bit more. But you got your uh, the Swanee's coming up and Chinook Winds is coming up. So there's some good pool, good pool out there. Going to keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, geez, what else is going on? Oh, you know what day it is, right? It's the 12th of February, or the 11th of February, excuse me. Um, which means that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So, uh, you know, if you haven't got your honey a little something-something, or made some special plans, man, you better hurry up. <laughs> you, you got a couple of days, uh, a couple of days to get that... And, you know, I don't know if it's just me, but uh, pool players, you know, are kind of notorious for having awful relationships. <laughs> Somehow it always ends up going south, man. I don't think it's just pool players, but, but uh, you know, we have a pretty high percentage of people. Their relationship goes sideways. Uh, I wanted to share this with you, though, because it's kind of funny. Um it's a little bit of history, a little bit of Valentine's Day, and a little bit of pool player all wrapped up in the same story. Uh, back in 1921, uh, you all have heard of the Brunswick Corporation, right? Well, in, in 21, uh, the Benzinger family was in charge of the Brunswick company. Uh, the Benzingers had been running the company for several decades, and they continued to run it for a long time. At, the, at this point in, in 1921, though, uh, it would have been uh, Louis Benzinger and Norman Benzinger that were the, the top of the, of the food chain there. And uh, speaking of, you know, love and Valentine's Day and relationships going south, um, there was a, an issue, so to speak, with uh, Mr. Norman Benzinger in uh, 1921. He actually was sued uh, he was brought a ten thousand dollar lawsuit was brought against Norman Benzinger <laughs> because this woman claimed that Benzinger had promised her that she was go- that he was going to marry her. Uh, the ironic part is uh, is that uh, Mr. Benzinger was married already. Uh, Norman Benzinger was married to a Mrs. Jeanette uh, gosh, Seligman Seligman I think was her last name uh so out of the blue mr benzinger who is married he gets slapped with this lawsuit from this woman claiming that uh that he was going to marry her <clears throat> when when benzinger's current wife found out you know that had to be kind of a, a stinky situation so two weeks after the lawsuit was brought against him Mr. Benzinger's current wife filed for divorce. So, uh, and she got, that was granted her, divorce was granted on the grounds of cruelty. Uh, that means that there was probably some sort of basis uh, as far as like a relationship was going on or he probably got caught. I don't even know. It doesn't say what specifically went on, but when they say cruelty, it's usually somewhat reliable that uh, the guy was doing something wrong so uh anyway funny stuff uh the girl uh, the lady excuse me her name was helen earl she did not appear in court to prosecute the case so the case was thrown out uh, 
nothing ever became of it. But uh, yeah, something along that is just rings true. You know, like how many people do you know in the in the pool business that have gotten a divorce? Uh, so anyway, yeah, you better get your uh, gifts in, or else uh, you might find yourself in a similar situation. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. And uh, I'm talking with a, a very special guest today. I, uh, Some of you, I suspect, probably have heard of him before. He's been around the block a few times. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Champagne Ed Kelly. How you doing, Ed? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Well, it's cold in Chicago, so, uh, you know, we're probably well, not doing quite as good as you I'm are. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are down in Vegas, I understand, in the Vegas area? Yes, I'm in the Vegas area, but I'm very well acquainted with Chicago. Yeah. Many, many years ago, Bugs and I played there. Ah, yes. Mr. Bugs Rucker, is that who you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. We, he... were, we were a lot younger then. <laughs> yes, sir. That's a fact. Uh, now, just for the fans that don't know every single solitary thing about you, um, you, how long have you been playing? Well, I am, uh, I'm 77 years old, and I started playing when I was 13. Okay. But I, I quit a few times for a few years, and I did a stint in the Marine Corps, and and I, uh, when I got out, I worked for two, three years in the uh, in the ballroom dancing business. I worked at Fred Astaire Dance Studios. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then I went back to playing pool, and, uh, and, and then I... Uh, got better and better and just did it full time. Okay. Now, would you have... And I pretty much retired like 20 years ago. Right, right, right. Where, would you have considered yourself a, a, a road player or a hustler more so than a, than a tournament player? Very, very much, yes. Yeah, okay. Right on. But so, that, that was where you learned to be a good player. Sure, sure, absolutely. Because you, <laughs> you learned the hard lessons. <laughs> Very few people can learn in a country club. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, I understand what you mean. Uh, did you have a particular game of choice, or or was it just whatever you thought their most action was in? Well, in my hometown where I started playing, uh, what they played was straight pool, and they played a game called Chicago. Right. It was rotation with uh, five money balls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and they played a little bit of three cushion. Sure. But uh, but I like nine ball and I like rotation and I and I played good straight pool. I was playing pool maybe two years before I ever heard of a game called one pocket. And at that time in that geographical area, and I grew up in Connecticut. They didn't call it one pocket. They called it pocket apiece. Ah, okay. Same, same, same way they refer to it in New York. Gotcha. Okay. Right on. Right and on. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't play that until later. Okay. Okay. Now, how did you? At what point did you pick up this nickname? 
Well, the nickname was uh, because I had a penchant for the grape or any any uh, alcoholic beverage. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, I was uh, a, a terrible drunk, and uh, I got that uh, gene from my dad. Uh-huh. But I, I used to drink... Uh, uh, Champagne was my drink of choice, and every time I won a tournament in the later years, I would try to buy champagne for everybody, ah. and then I would get half-loaded and commence to go around and try to drink everybody else's champagne. <laughs> and uh, it's been 30 years since I've had a drop of alcohol. <laughs> That's still a good story, though. <laughs> So you had a good time with it. Long and the short of it. Yeah. So you had a good time then. Is that is that I'm understanding that? I, I had I had a good time, but the people most of the time uh, when I was under the influence, uh, uh, the people around me did not. Because <laughs> I wasn't a happy drunk. Oh no, that's not good. <laughs> Oh, that's not good. Well, it tends to interfere with playing pool too. You know what I mean? You can only drink. Oh, I couldn't. I, I couldn't play drinking. I yeah. tried a few times, and uh, yeah, there's just no chance. Right, right. No, I understand what you mean. Uh, me neither. I, I, as soon as I have a drink, I knew that there is all bets are off at that point. Um, let me ask you this: What if you had to describe it? to somebody what do you think uh well you know like in a bazillion words or less what's the main differences between pool and the average hall then and the pool that's going on today is there any difference um i know there is i'm not understanding that yeah between pool what I, i i understand that there's differences between the equipment of yesterday and today but as far as the the attitudes and the industry, how is pool different today than it was then? Well, there, there <clears throat> there's a little bit more money uh, in in the tournaments today than there was, but that goes with any game or sport. Sure. Uh, however, uh, the equipment uh, when I started playing, I started playing on a five by ten. That's a totally different experience than a four and F and nine. Right. They, when I was a kid, uh, uh, five by tens was regulation tape. Yes. And uh, the business people got together and went to the sanctioning bodies, and they because they just you know they it didn't take them long to find out that if they had a business, they had X amount of you know they had finite square footage, right. so they know they could get more tables at uh, four and a half by nines in the same square footage than they could five by tens, sure. so they'd make more yeah. money, so they they got the sanctioning bodies to to make four and a half by nines a regulation table, right. and, and it's a, uh, like, it's a tougher game of all games playing on a five by ten because there's tougher shots. Right. Right. Because of the real estate. Yes, exactly. It's the real estate. But now one pocket, it's a totally different game. Yes. It's a different game. You, you, one pocket uh, on a four and a half to nine, you've got to be able to move better. Sure. You have to have no more intricate moves. 
Right. Five by ten, five by ten, uh, you get in a, in a bad spot. You just put the guy up the end rail. <laughs> yeah. Let him <laughs> yeah, a half a mile yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a, a four at the nine, a good player runs out. Yeah. Yeah. Five by ten, he don't quite run out. Sure. Do you think that so the that, does that has that changed the, the gambling aspect of it? The the fact that we're playing on smaller tables. Well, they they didn't have bar tables. That that uh, brought in uh, a lot more people playing. Yeah, because you know in the twenties and thirties, which I'm not familiar with, but uh, I know from people that I've talked to. Uh, you could, Fats used to say, in New York City, you could be in Times Square and take your hat off and, and throw your hat up in the air, and it was six to five to lay in front of a pool room. Yeah, absolutely. To land in front of a pool room. And uh, he says that, that's because it was so popular. Then yeah. war came, and, uh, you know, and that, that took a lot of people away. And uh, and then and it always had the... Uh, the reputation of the narrative wells hanging around the pool room, you of know, that element. Yeah. And there was no women. <laughs> you know, most pool rooms, women couldn't go in. Yeah, yeah. Never mind wanted to go uh, in. Yeah, or didn't want to. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but, uh, and then, uh, years later, it, it got a pop with the movie. Sure. The Hustler. Yeah. And then they came out with bar tables. Yeah, you know, and that that uh, helped to improve the uh, the attraction of the game. Yes, to, is... to a lot more people. Yes, and I understand they have a lot of uh, bar table tournaments with uh, uh, multitudes of people. Yeah, because they have leagues and everything else. Sure thing. But uh, I mean, there's uh, I when I put the first time I saw them, what I used to call them baby tables. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just knew. I just knew that if I played anybody on, on one of those tables, uh, this is I'm talking about when I first seen it. I was playing pretty good, and uh, I just said to myself, "Well, if I play someone and they never miss a ball, they might get a tie." Yeah, you know that's the way I looked at. It. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, the, I I tend to agree, and I I've said this to friends of mine and associates and whatever else. And it's always one of those agree to disagree things. But to me, I think it should be like it was prior to the forties when 10 foot tables were the division line between the general public and the professional level of play. Um, that, you know, line. Well, well, the best table I think is the, is the uh, uh, is the four and a half and nine? Yeah, that's the regular table. I, I think that's the best table. Yeah, yeah. that that combines. Yeah, I mean, there's some tough shots. There's a lot of tough shots. Not as many as as, as the uh, five by ten, but the five by ten is just not feasible for today's uh, you know businesses. They're too big. They well, too yes, of course. Yes, absolutely true. That is true. Bar tables are good because they pay the rent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is very true, too. That's very true. You know, I don't know about now, like around New York City, there you could never get a, uh, an alcoholic drink in a pool room. Mm-hmm. That's Ever. true. 
Yeah. I don't know about it now. Oh, sure you can. Yeah. Most well, of when I was playing, no pool room had, could sell booze of any kind. Couldn't <laughs> get a beer. Wow. That's, uh, that's, uh, it's hard to believe, but I, I know that it's true, though. I know that it's true. The places that yeah, served alcohol were, were definitely distinctly different than the ones that did. Do you ever play at, and uh... Plus, 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 they, you know, they, they, they changed the, the culture and, and the atmosphere of billiard room. you know, made them billiard emporiums and sure. billiard up. You know, and uh, academies and stuff like that, and they they lean more towards uh, the what we call the sweaters. Yeah, yeah. Are the spectators? Yeah. When I was a kid, we call them steam heat. <laughs> That's because in the winter time they, they would they would come in with every place had radiators. Yeah. You know, the old time metal radiators. Right, right. And they would come in and they'd sit on the bench close to the radiator to get some heat because <laughs> they were freezing because it was snowing outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they couldn't open their mouth. They couldn't, you know, <laughs> say anything, or they would get thrown out. <laughs> Nowadays, the, the people, uh, the billiard room proprietors, tend to uh, cater to that element. Yeah. Because they just soon have them, because they're selling beer, and they're selling wine, and like in Vegas, or I don't know about Atlantic City, and other places, they have slot machines in the, you know, oh, ta yeah. table in the bars sure. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they they have people, the spectators, and they, they don't respect the players nowhere near as much as they used to when I was a kid. Right, right, right. Right. It used to be when the that if there was pool tables in there, that was the most important thing going on in the room. Yeah, that was that was what it was for. Right. <laughs> exactly. That is what the room was for. Exactly. Exactly. Hence, they call it the pool room. <laughs> yeah. Did you um? Do you feel like you made a decent money at it, or or was it sort of like a? Or do you I feel like you were on the struggling side of it? I I was a party type kid and a street kid, and I, you know, I uh, I was uh, I, I was a genius. I didn't listen to my parents. You know, my father used to say, "Stick to the books, stick to the books." I couldn't wait to get to the pool. <laughs> you know, and uh, naturally, uh, I had to wait till I got to, in in my fifties that I realized he was right and I was wrong. But yeah. uh, I, I didn't look to the future. I didn't put anything away or anything. I just lived real good and had a lot of fun. Sure, sure. When I, when, when I was aware of it. <laughs> and uh, yeah. now it's a different story, you know. Right, right, right. You ever get yourself in a sticky situation when you were uh, in the middle of a, of, of a gambling match or something? Anybody Would ever? You repeat that? Did you ever get yourself in a sticky situation? Uh, you know, like forced to leave or forced to give up a game or forced to give up your winnings? One of those kind of creepy things. I I was never forced to give up my winnings, but I was I got into sticky situations uh, quite a few times. But 
I sort of had a little bit of a knack to had a, a sense it coming, <laughs> and and uh, was able to uh, extricate myself out of that situation. <laughs> well, good. <You> know. <laughs> I, I never got heisted or anything uh, like I know I, I I know a lot of people who have went on the road sure. and, and got held up and all I never have nah, but okay. I've seen seen it coming a few times and you know took a different route yeah yeah I hear you no that's a good thing uh, you got to you got to live to tell the tale um, I was gonna ask you uh um, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Sure. I took four road trips. I took four road trips with Ronnie Allen. Mm, okay. Who by, the, who, by the way, was instrumental in helping me become a champion one-pocket player. Oh, very good. Because I, I, I learned uh, a, quite a lot from him, just watching him play. Mm, okay. And, uh, and, uh, we were in Indianapolis, and we called up. Uh, there was a guy there to play the bookmaker, and I don't want to mention his name. Uh, but we called up this uh, uh, this lounge, this bar, and it was a veterans bar, and uh, they knew who Ronnie was. Mm-hmm. And uh, we called up, and they said, "Yes, so and so is going to be in later, you know." So we went, we went in later, and he stood out, and I went in. He went out partying, and I went in. And I played the guy, and I was drinking, drinking, drinking. And he, and he finally came in and saw I was drinking. He cut out, and the guy had me stuck uh, pretty good. I had me stuck a couple thousand. And uh, I went back to the room to get some more money and came back, and I wound up beating him out of 2800 Got the money back and beat him out of 2800 And naturally, I stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the... the uh, now, they knew who Ronnie was. They didn't know who I was. Right. The next day, we call up and say, does anybody want to play any one bracket up there? And the guy says, yeah, Ronnie. He said, we got, we got a couple people want to play you. Just bring all your money. So that just told us <laughs> we were going to walk into a ice. <laughs> you know. I mean, he was considered the best one-pocket player on earth. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And they're telling us, yeah, they want to play. They got some, a couple of people to play us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we just packed our bags and left town. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a good idea. What uh, yeah. is there a particular city that you feel like, or not necessarily a city, but maybe a specific pool hall in a specific city that you felt like was more unsafe than the other ones were? Oh uh, yeah, well there was one, but 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 I I didn't partake in it. I had I had already quit pool, and I missed out on that. And that was the highest stake uh, pool room ever. Of any kind, no, nothing even comes close to it, and that was the Rack and Q in Detroit. Ah, okay. I mean, you're talking about 
a couple of guys won and lost millions of dollars. Not thousands or hundred thousands. I'm talking about millions. Wow. So there was action and, there, uh, huh? And, and I had retired at that point, so I, I didn't. I, I never got to enjoy any of that. But I know a lot of players who did. <laughs> now, what time frame would that have been? That was. Uh, let me see. Uh, that had to be in. I can't. I'm, I'm thinking that had to be like the, in, in the in the early seventies, late uh, early seventies okay. or middle seventies. Okay. okay. Early 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 seventies, middle seventies, like seventy. I I quit in seventy one. Okay. Okay. Well, but I'm sure what's going on before that. I know. I know a sure. few people. You know. I know about more than a few people. I know quite a few people who were there. Right. while that was going on and, and we're experiencing and won and lost a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. They, had two, they had two or three millionaires, millionaires playing and gambling and staking. And, and uh, they, they, were, they were the source of the action because they were the, the, the money, the yeah. wealth. Sure, yeah. Wow. But that drew in a lot of players from all around the country. Yep. That's what the money will do. <laughs> hey, I, I won the the uh, the all around in, in uh, seventy one in, in L A. and I quit. Hmm. I, I played one tournament in Vegas uh, in seventy two. Didn't do any good, and uh, plus I was married to an ex showgirl, and uh, I didn't think it was a good idea to be going on the road and leaving her here. Sure. Well, didn't I see your name <laughs> on something? Like not too long ago, where you participated in some tournament in what was two thousand and five or something like that. I I didn't think it was very long ago. In what? In maybe two thousand and five. Did did I see your name on something uh, like fairly recently? I, I played uh, 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 Legends of One Pocket, Richie Florence and Oh yeah, uh, that's and, right. Yeah, and Grady put it together, and then and. Uh, and then Richie got a stroke, uh, but uh, Grady uh, completed the term. That was in Reno. Yes, sir. Yeah. And 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 I I got ex and I took eight. I was working at the time at the Sands Hotel, and uh, I took eight days off and I practiced and I went up and I got extremely lucky, and I played uh, Cornbread Ridge, Billy Birch in the finals. And uh, and I got extremely lucky, and it came down uh, three apiece, and he needed one ball, and I needed two, and I banked two and out, and won won the won the, uh, the session, won the twenty thousand first prize. And, and but it was in other words, it was extremely lucky that I won the tournament because I sort of ham and egged it when I <laughs> when I when I. Uh, was playing when I, I I couldn't play I you know because I was away from the game for so long sure yeah uh, and, and I was working and uh, I I I I beat uh, in other words I would be playing someone who didn't play quite that well and didn't know the game as well so just my knowledge of the game beat him sure yeah and then when I played somebody who could play. <laughs> 
I, I had a couple of flashbacks. You know, I, I just happened to play real good. And uh, so that's why I say I ham and egged it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're... Oh, I, I got extremely lucky and, and won it. But I, <laughs> I think you got to be lucky to win any turn. Yeah. you got to beat the people you're supposed to beat. <clears throat> yeah. And the ones that are tough, you got to get uh, the majority of the breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. So are you uh, have any plans to pick up a cue anymore, or no? You all done? No, I'm going to... I I give a lesson once in a while. Okay. Uh, I don't particularly... You know, I'm not crazy about it. Uh, and... and, uh, and, uh, and I'd rather give a lesson to a guy uh, or girl who can play a little bit, you know, sure. rather than someone who's never played. Yeah. Because they they can learn how to hold a cue from a book. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, exactly. so I'd rather them to, to understand what I'm trying to show them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and the best is if someone wants to learn one pocket then I can really give them their money's worth. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because there's very few people who have the knowledge. That's, uh, yeah, it's not a, it's not a, a hugely played game either. You know what I mean? You've got your sort of hardcore guys that play the one pocket. No, but it, it, it's not a hugely played game because of the fact that it, 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 it's the most cerebral game. Mm, you may be of right. All the you may be right. It's not even, not even close. <laughs> not even close. Spoken like a true uh, one pocket fan. <laughs> well, I've won I've won a lot of world nine ball tournaments, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I've won and I've won the world straight pool tournament. Yes, sir. You know, in '69 in L.A. Mm-hmm. and. And it's not even close because I'll tell you what it, what one pocket does. It takes parts of every game will pump up your your uh, your grade in one pocket. It'll make you every if you know straight ball, it will help you play better one pocket. If you if you're a good nine ball player, it'll help you play good one pocket. But in addition, it took same. If you're a good three cushion player, you got any kind of knowledge, it will come up in one pocket. Right. right. Banks, banks goes without saying. Right. Right. You know. Absolutely. But but in addition to all that, it has its own particular moves that are indigenous to the one pocket game only. True. The yeah. other games don't have that. <laughs> I mean, nine ball, the ball's tell you how to play. True. You're shooting the four, tell you the five is next, pal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't have a choice. <laughs> now, straight pool, uh, if a guy knows the layout, knows how to play straight pool, it's just like uh, they used to say, Ronnie Allen, uh, at any time, it's subject to hit you with a hundred. Yeah, right. But the difference is between Ronnie running a hundred and Irving Crane running a hundred. Uh, Irving Crane's cue ball will travel maybe a block, a city block. 
Ronnie's cue ball will travel from here to the moon. <laughs> because Cray knows the layout and, and you know his, his choice of shots and everything. Right. In other words, like like you you see Moscone play if you you were ever fortunate to see him play. Uh, he was like poetry in motion. I mean, he just he just broke the balls open. He. And he played fast. A lot of people don't know. They they, they talk about machine gun Butera. Right. You know, I knew, I knew uh, Lou sure. Butera very well. Very real nice guy. And and uh, but he didn't he didn't run balls faster than Moscone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, uh, Lou Butera used to chalk up. He did everything fast. He chalked up fast. He run to the shot fast. You know. Whereas Moscone. Everything was like poetry in motion, you know, very smooth. Right, right. But but if if you timed the hundred that they both would run, he beats Lou. Sure, sure. Because he he clears it up, he clears the table a lot quicker. Right, right. But he doesn't chalk up and jerky and all that because he's so smooth. Right, exactly. Very very smooth operator. Absolutely true. And, and when when he's that smooth, you don't realize how fast he's clearing a tape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look hard when he does it because his ball placement was just yeah. He made everything look easy, pristine. Yeah, he never had a hard shot, you know, because he always put it where it needed to be. So it, that's, that's funny. You know that that's, <laughs> that's funny. It was uh, we many many years ago when when I was playing a little bit. Uh, we were in the pool room, and uh, Billy Cardone was there, and uh, Cole Dixon was there, and uh, Mikey Snydberg. You don't know him; he he wasn't in the pool world, but but he could play three cushion, and uh, and and a, and a card player was there, uh, Jimmy Shaddy. Anyway, that we we. Nobody was doing anything. It was just to do something. We played partners, three cushion. Okay. We played partners. Me and this kid, Jimmy Shahadi, and Billy Cardone and Mikey Schneidberg. Mikey Schneidberg played a little under me. I was the best player of the four. And uh, so they needed a couple of, of billiards, and we needed nine. And I ran nine, and it's the most I ever ran, <laughs> in, in, you know, in my life. <laughs> I ran nine, and it just it just so happened that, that I played a little position, you know, and got pretty much the same natural every shot. <laughs> and uh, my partner says, all right, all right, look at this shot. And Billy Cardone sarcastically said, big deal, every shot was a natural. <laughs> You know, but it was it was the way I played it to to promote the natural. Yeah, to set it up. That yes, exactly. exactly yeah. exactly. Yeah, blame it but on it, the rolls. Blame it on the rolls. <laughs> That's good stuff. So anyway. Well, look, I didn't want to take but, up. But any... if, you, if you ever if you ever get in an argument uh, <laughs> over the, I'll tell you I'll tell you another funny one, real quick. Okay. It has to do with what we were talking about previously when I said uh, one pocket is most cerebral of all the games. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, 
we were playing in a tournament in Vegas at the Stardust Hotel. This is 1965 or 66. I can't remember. 65 was the first one. You're talking about the Janskos tournaments, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. 65 was the first one. I won. I won the nine ball division. Okay. And uh, so anyway, we, we were talking Cicero Murphy and myself and uh, uh, a couple other people, and we're we're all talking about what's what's the tougher game. Yeah. And I'm saying nine ball because that's what I was playing the best at it in those days. <laughs> right. I became a I became a one pocket better player a few years later on. So anyway, <clears throat> we're we're talking with Cicero saying straight pool is the best play, best game. This game, the, the, you know, we're talking about you can get lucky and you can get lucky in nine ball. You can luck a ball in. Well, good players don't. Very seldom luck balls in because they're not playing for luck. Right, right, right. You know, and uh, and, and this guy's talking about one pocket, and, and Cicero's talking about straight pool. And I'm talking about nine ball. <laughs> and Eddie Taylor was, had a few drinks, and he come walking by, and he 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 you know he gets aware of the conversation, and he doesn't stop. He just walks right by us, <laughs> and he and he and he turns his his head over his shoulder. He said, "Can anybody tell me how you can luck in a bank playing bank pool?" <laughs> well, that was the end of the conversation <laughs> because we nobody had an answer. <laughs> Taylor was a funny guy. Uh, that's good stuff too. Hey, banks is hard. That's not an easy game. It's not an easy game at all. No, it's uh, well, it's a game that you know. It's mostly Kentucky. That's 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 where the game is played the most. Sure, and that's where they get the best best bank pool players outside of Eddie Taylor. Right. Eddie Taylor was the greatest bank pool player that ever lived. Hmm. Not close. That's also not close. Good, good, good. He was uh, my best friend. He, he introduced. He, you know, when you get inducted into the Hall of Fame, you have to have someone to introduce you to the audience. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's just the rules, and I I didn't want anybody but him. <laughs> good, 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 good. Because he was one of my best friends. He came and uh, they they flew him in, and they flew his nurse in also. You know and. Uh, he had a good time, and he introduced me on stage. You know, okay. but we were on the road. Actually, actually, uh, we came to Vegas together. But he had already been to Vegas. I had never been to Vegas, mm -hmm. yeah. and I wanted to fly out. And he was afraid of flying at the time. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to fly. Sure, yeah. and he he convinced me. Uh, uh, I don't want to say how he convinced me, but he convinced me to <laughs> we should drive, out, you know, take the southern route, stop by, say hello to his mother in Knoxville, and 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 just drive on out. Yeah, sure. And uh, so we did that, and uh, and and would you believe it? We drew each other the first game. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> did you beat him? No, he beat me the first game. Oh no. Oh, that's kind of funny. 
Yeah. That's funny. Oh, he was a great player. To Taylor, to me, if you were in a position to purchase the greatest pool table ever made with all ivory inlay and all mahogany rails and everything beautiful, you know, have uh, uh, 18-year-old virgins uh, put the cloth on and everything, <laughs> you know, something fantasy, you know, out of a, out of a fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and when, when you open the box and, and see the table, Taylor should come with it. <laughs> that's that's my opinion of the way Taylor played. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good stuff. Well, I'm. I mean, I, wow. It's, it's that's cool to hear that firsthand from somebody that knew him. That uh, that you, oh, you that you thought that he, he highly was, of. Him. He was a sweetheart. That's awesome. He was a sweetheart. I tell you, I got I got. He played so good, I got mad at him a few times. <laughs> Quit, uh, I, I, I had a proposition. I saw a guy shoot on a table where where you 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 put the you freeze the cue ball on the the head string, uh, and you you're I mean the, the object ball and the head string, and you freeze it on the long rail, and and you you got to keep the cue ball behind the line, and you got to bank the ball in every pocket. In other words, if you never missed, it'd be you. You would take six, sure, because of six pockets, right? So, the, like the first one, you have to double bank in in the side pocket where 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 the ball is frozen, right? The next one would be a double bank into the corner pocket where the uh, the side where the cue ball is frozen on the rail, right? The next one would be one rail in the corner. And then the next one would be cross side, and then the next one, you have to the object ball has to go down the table first. So you'd be two rails long, two rails bank into the corner pocket oh, wow. on the opposite side, right. and then the last shot would be three rail bank into the corner. Phew. Well, well, a, a, a decent bank pool player would probably take. Anywhere between eleven or twelve and fifteen shots. Right, right. I'm talking about a bank pool player. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> you know. And uh, so I, I, Taylor was running a pool room. I was living in Baltimore, Maryland at the time, and Taylor was running a pool room in, in Maryland. And uh, I, I went over. It was summer. And I walked in a pool, there wasn't a soul in there, and he was whacking balls around. And it was started to rain, and he had the door wide open, and it must have been 80 degrees, and it was raining. The table's soaking wet. I don't know if you know how how badly that makes playing conditions. The humidity. Humidity. Right. Yeah, right, right. Okay. So I, I told him about this proposition, and he said, well, let me try it. First try, he did it in nine. Wow. I mean, that's pretty good. That's, yeah. I, I <laughs> never could do it in nine. Yeah. No. He said, let me try it again. He did it in seven. Ah. Wow. I turned around, and I walked out, and halfway, I got halfway to the door, I turned my head, and I said, I know that you were not born on this planet. <laughs> 
It says not humanly possible. And I had and I have met it. Uh, that's funny uh, stuff. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's unreal. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Ed. I took up more time than of yours that I intended to, but I love listening to you yeah. tell the stories. I just don't want to uh, put all of our fans to sleep. So I'm gonna get out of your hair. Right. I'm gonna get out of your hair. Uh, thank you 1,000 times for uh, taking the time uh, to talk to me. I, I truly appreciate it. Well, I, I hope somebody enjoys it. Oh yes, absolutely. I think you still got a couple of fans out there that'll enjoy listening to this. So yeah, because right. I got another call. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good stuff. Well, we'll talk to you guys next week right here on American Billiard Radio. Yeah.